Ready to unlock transformational success? Well, you can learn more about Lean Agile Mastery and how to become customer-centric with today's guest. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Gene Lee is the founder of Radar Consulting and author of Lean Agile Mastery, mastering the five C's for customer-centric success. Over 15 years, he's led transformations, generating 75 to 700x revenue and near-perfect customer satisfaction for his clients. Gene's mission is to share this proven blueprint so organizations globally can multiply revenues and enable agility. Gene, welcome to Unbound. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate being on your show. Uh, Let's jump right into your origin story. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I've got about 15 years experience uh, driving what I call lean, agile transformations Uh, in the business world. You know, there's reference to agile transformations and lean, agile transformations. Uh, I, uh, you know, like to think of my transformations uh, incorporating lean, agile uh, best practices. Uh, and so I've um, only been able to drive, you know, a couple of successful transformations because it's not easy. It's not easy to do because it, it includes, you know, collaboration across the enterprise. And in many instances, you know, typically like in traditional organizations, uh, many functional departments operate in silos, mm-hmm. right? They've uh, the VPs or the you know senior executive, they kind of run uh, things their own way. And, um, you know, kind of operate in this silo mentality. So what I've tried to do over the over a decade or so is try to um, drive behaviors that enable uh, what I call the L.A. 5C framework. Right. And that's customer centricity, collaboration, coordination, communication, and then uh, continuous improvement wraps around all of those other four C's. Uh, And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, some of the uh, results that we've been able to drive uh, include new revenue multiples of 75 to 700 X and, you know, boosting CSAT to, you know, in one organization, uh, CSAT was stagnant, like 8.0. We drove that all the way up to 9.3 after the first year of the, of the transformation effort. And this is doing that while we're also optimizing business and software development lifecycle processes. All right. <laughs> a lot to go off there. Uh, I want to start though with the idea that I think it's like 80% of transformations fail, right? Like and for all the reasons you just cool. explained. In, in your experience, right. what are the most common pitfalls that lead to that? You know, I, I think one of those major pitfalls is just executive buy-in, right? Like you need to have uh, the chief executive officer, the CEO or the chairman really driving this effort for all of their C-suite uh, executives, right? Because, um, you know, the analogy I like to use is if you have this puzzle of, uh, you know, a happy face customer, right? If you the parts of those puzzle represents different parts of the organization, right? Different functional departments, sales, marketing, ops, customer support, you know, professional services, legal, infosec, compliance. You know, imagine all of those parts making up that puzzle of that happy face customer, right? 
if you put all those pieces together, like that's, that's the challenge, right? Like all of those pieces acting seamlessly together, that that's going to deliver a uh, outstanding customer experience, right? Uh, vice versa, if they don't, like, for example, like there are very uh, closely uh, related organizations like sales and marketing, right? If they don't work well seamlessly together, the, the customer, the, the effects are going to be felt by the customer, mm. right? And the same thing goes for other parts of, of the organization. So first and foremost, I think it's executive buy-in. And then number two is just the ability of those functional leaders to, to come together, right? And to enable a, what I call cross-functional collaboration, right? And coordination and communication, mm. right? All those uh, functions need, need to be able to work together. Right. So having a shared, that shared vision, uh, having a focus on customer centricity, uh, and, and having driving behaviors, right. It's one thing. Uh, there's always talk, right. People always talk and organizations talk, do a lot of talking about, yeah, we're customer driven. But when you look under the cover, right. that, that may not be the case. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. barely clearly see it on a lot of websites when they, they just keep mentioning us, I, we, it's like, it becomes, it becomes very clear, like <laughs> probably not the most customer centric, right? Otherwise you'd be focused on, you need this. You are doing that, you know, providing that value up front. Very good. Uh, point. Yeah. Control very F and type in we. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> that's, um, so we've talked multiple times now uh, and you've shared some of your stories about the actual, the successful transformations that kind of put you on this path. Even I would love for you to share those or at least one of those with the audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, one of those opportunities it was for a professional training institute in Seoul, Korea. This was a government sponsored uh, training institute. And what they did is they offered PDUs, right, professional development units for engineers. And so a lot of these engineers in Korea, you know, if they wanted to upskill, right? Then they would take courses uh, at this institute. Well, the the CSAT was really stagnant here. I mean, uh, it was a government-sponsored institute, so they conducted regular surveys, and the survey results were not good, right? Uh, they often, the trainees complained that the classes were too technical or too boring, and a number of other complaints. And so, uh, what I did uh, initially was I actually taught a course myself specifically entirely in English. It's the first time it was ever done. And, um, you know, the, the the course and I got, we actually got some real um, positive feedback. And so what I pitched to the executives and the, uh, the chairman of the board is that, hey, let's go full fledged with this thing. Let's make a full on program, right? Not a two week course, but actual like four month program. Um, and, you know, I got a lot of objections to that, like, oh, that's not going to work, you know, like, yeah, that's not going to happen. hundred percent English, you know, that's not going to fly. And so what I did was I said, listen, let me get some data, right? Let me do some research, uh, over the next three months. And so I, I call this voice of the customer f- uh, program development. And so I conducted surveys, focus groups, um, uh, hundreds of interviews and gathered uh, data, right, from thousands of these trainees over a three-month period. And then what we discovered, uh, what I discovered actually, what which was the aha moment, was that these trainees didn't care about PDUs or getting 
you know, updating their, their certifications. Like they didn't care about that. What, what they really cared about, it was the ability to compete in the global marketplace. And that meant being fluent in English, right? Because not all of these uh, uh, employees can work for a Samsung or LG or Hyundai, you know, these uh, global uh, organizations. And so they wanted to be able to work uh, for another uh, global organization and and they wanted, and particularly in project management, but they needed to be versatile in their communications, right? So that was their primary objective is to be able to compete uh, in the global marketplace. And so that really kind of reshaped the Institute's mission and vision. And once I presented that to the, uh, you know, to the administration, then they were like, okay, you know what? We'll give you the budget that you're looking for um, to, to, to build this. And so, uh, one year later, um, after developing, uh, this project management training program, uh, we certified thousands over a thousand trainees per year. Um, we, the, that revenue multiple multiplied net new program revenue of, um, 75 times or $8 million in, in the first year. And then CSAT increased from 8.0 to 9.3. And meanwhile, we also developed technology, right, uh, to, to actually scale the business. So now we went from, you know, having hundreds of applicants to now thousands of applicants, right, that my staff actually managed manually. They work with Windows folders per uh, applicant. And that took forever, right? It was just very painstaking work, a lot of uh, overtime. But once we um, uh, installed the self-registration and application system where candidates can self-serve, they registered, they submitted all their documents themselves, and then the system would track the progress of you know, completion of those applications, whereas my staff had to do that before. So, um, you know, again, like people, process, technology, all that came together uh, from, you know, this voice of the customer uh, program development. That's awesome. And so is that where you would recommend people start if they were looking at transformations within their company? Or is there somewhere else that like a startup should be considering uh, in order to sure. make it happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Voice of the customer is definitely one of the, the uh, best practices and tools. Uh, that should be leveraged, right? Because uh, like I said, uh, that organization, um, the administration and even some of the executives, like they didn't buy it, right? They didn't buy it. They didn't believe that it would fly. And so you have to, you have to do the research and you have to gather data. Uh, and then from that data, you, you know, hopefully will derive some insights that will inform, you know, program or product development efforts. Right. So you've mentioned a couple of times now, the executives tend to be one of the hardest like nuts to crack in, in order to make this happen. What are yeah. like, I mean, you've worked with a lot of companies at this point, like what are some of the, the things you've seen work uh, pretty consistently in order to kind of win them over so you can at least get your foot in the door to start a project? Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's it's storytelling, right? Telling stories like this, uh, for example, at Educon. Uh, another case, a story was at Paylani, which is a uh, fintech startup company. And so it's really just trying to, you know, uh, get, get their ear, uh, get their attention. Uh, ultimately, you know, if they don't have an open mind, then, you know, it's, it's not going to work. 
regardless, right? But if they're open to new approaches, uh, best practices, uh, what I found is that, you know, not all organizations or leaders are open to industry best practices, right? Even though they, you know, they, they say they are, I mean, in actuality, that's, that's not really the case, right? Um, for whatever reason, right? It could be that, hey, you know, maybe they don't want a new, they don't want to do a new initiative, right? Or they, it's too risky, right? They might perceive it as being too much of a risk or it's too big of an, an initiative, right? Whatever it may, may be, right? They're just not ready. So um, I, I think it's, it's a matter of, you know, being open-minded to, uh, to best practices and then, um, you know, be willing to commit, right? Is the other thing, right? Is, hey, okay, if you want to do this, hundred percent, then we need to really be, you need to be a hundred percent committed to the effort. And then where I need these ex executives to support, then they should be able to step in and say, Hey, look guys, this is, this is worth the effort, right? This is worth the ROI and, and, you know, delivering customer satisfaction. So, you know, get on board. <laughs> right. Cause I can imagine yeah. once you, if they're already on the fence and you, you do convince them to get going, as soon as anything starts to like veer off course, there's a good chance they try shutting the project down. Right. So are there, yeah. I guess one, are there ways to catch those warning signs before any of your projects are going off course? Like, are, are you setting certain benchmarks, milestones, uh, things like that? And then how do you, I guess, what kind of pre-planning are you doing to make sure that we can realign and get it back on track before it, like yeah. someone hired, shuts it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, just with any new product development or programs, uh, it's just really providing, you know, um, consistent uh, status updates, right. Uh, on the progress uh, that's being achieved, like you mentioned, any milestones um, and, and, you know, identifying any risks as well. Right. So, um, you know, there have been instances where a new VP, VP it will come on board. And completely just, you know, uh, change priorities um, and and things get off track that way, right? But uh, those those are things that are out of out of you know out of your control. But those are things that do happen, right? Personnel changes, leadership changes. Uh, but all you can do is really just um, track the performance uh, and the metrics that the product or program is delivering and, uh, you know, continue to get that buy-in. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears <laughs> to, yeah. uh, I guess, what are some of the misconceptions about lean and agile that you, you face the most? You know, at this point, a lot, a lot of, uh, executives and teams, they understand one or the other, right? Uh, they, under, you know, so software, uh, environments, uh, those teams and organizations, they understand agile. Right. It's a very, very common practice. Uh, and then with manufacturing organizations, they understand lean. Right. Uh, as evidenced by the Toyota way and the Toyota production system. Right. But but organizations don't really understand this hybrid approach. Right. This is something that I've advocated and been championing. Uh, and it's, you know, as far as I, I know, like I'm very one of few people who's actually championing this lean agile. Right, which is a combination of the two approaches, right? Because if you think of agile being about software development, lean is about manufacturing or production. Really, this is, you know, software is manufacturing. It's like we, we don't call it manufacturing, we call it software development or software uh, production. 
And so lean is about, um, you know, reducing defects and eliminating waste, right? And there's certainly waste in software development um, uh, processes, right? And in that life cycle, right? And so it, you, when, it makes sense to really combine the two, right? Uh, and, you know, develop software in a very efficient uh, manner. I guess, why do you think the there is hesitation or reservations around more people just championing lean agile? Yeah, you know, I think it's just a lack of understanding, right? Or misunderstanding, right? Um, uh, you know, again, I've, I've spoken to, you know, former colleagues and supervisors and, and they flat out said, yeah, I don't really understand what that means, <laughs> right? What does that mean? Like lean plus agile. And so that's when you start to have those, those conversations. But um, but, you know, in certain cases, the, the you know, the, the other person may not uh, be willing to ask the question, right? Hey, what does that mean? I'm not sure what that means, right? Um, or, or just ha- has a misunderstanding of what it means. So um, I think that's the biggest challenge. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah. educating, like the, uh, yeah. like the audience is probably the most important thing right now. Um, yeah, for everyone listening, you are the audience. We're educating you. Listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, let's move into so continuous improvement, right? It, yes. Some everyone you say the words. Everybody says like, yeah, obviously we we want that. We do that, but it's actually hard to sustain continuous improvement because, just because of like the that motivation, right? The level like what at some point after starting a new project, your initial enthusiasm is going to kind of go down and people are going to start going back into like their regular grind of just what they were doing before. What are some of the things you recommend organizations are doing so that they can really like sink into that continuous improvement and model and just go with it. Like keep, keep actually driving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the ways to really kind of sustain uh, a continuous improvement effort is really to, um, to get some quick wins Right. Um, uh, you know, in any organization, there's going to be problems and challenges and complaints. Right. So, for example, at the last client, a Fortune 500 client that I consulted for, one of the biggest challenges uh, or actually the complaints that I heard was that oh, the product management team is not talking to us or informing us that this product, this new product is coming. You know, for example, legal. Right. So there are email communications that uh, were going out uh, from Salesforce, right, to uh, end users uh, and to customers, uh, actually. And uh, and so legal was not consulted uh, because there were disclaimers in there that were not relevant in those email communications. And so legal is saying, well, why weren't we consulted with? Right. I mean, we weren't even informed. Uh, and then there's other stakeholders, you know, uh, downstream from the product uh, and operations teams, like the training team, for example, uh, who often says, hey, this, this product really doesn't make any sense. Like this feature doesn't, it doesn't drive any value for our end users, right? And so there's downstream uh, feedback that's not being captured upstream, right, with the product uh, management team, right? Um, feedback loops. Right. From customer support, they're getting complaints from customers. They're hearing a lot of things from customers and that feedback is not being communicated back. Right. Upstream to uh, to product 
you know, senior leadership or management is things like that. Right. Um, that can be easily fixed. Um, but, uh, you know, again, you just need to identify that, Hey, listen, there's this critical feedback from customers and we need to establish these feedback loops going back to, you know, product management. Right. Um, and, and so I think, you know, people understand that, Hey, you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, we need to involve relevant stakeholders. We need to capture voice of the customer feedback, loop it back to the product management team, you know, so that they can address some of these outstanding, you know, issues and complaints that are out there. Um, you know, many different examples. I mean, within agile ceremonies, for example, uh, same uh, organization, they didn't include the end users in the sprint demos, right? And so I would ask them, what? Why do we not do that? I mean, these are the end users who's going to be, who's going to be using the product. Why are they not involved in the, the sprint demos, right? And we have to find out after the fact that they don't like it or, you know, they don't like something about it. Uh, so, you know, it's just, you know, even just adherence, adherence to existing, you know, agile script, uh, agile, the agile framework uh, and the ceremonies um, that, that, you know, that could go a long way in itself. Right. So what are uh, like some innovations or new practices, right? You mentioned best practices earlier. I'm sure there's also emerging practices that are coming out. Um, Things that you're seeing now are related to like the lean agile space um, that Mm -hmm. companies should be aware of in order to kind of get that edge. Yeah, you know what? I don't even want to get into AI because there's so many, there's there, there's really limitless opportunities with leveraging AI. But without even getting into that, I mean, just focusing on lean, uh, incorporating lean agile best practices, right? So we I talked about customer feedback loops, for example, and voice of the customer uh, feedback and analysis, right? Those are great tools and best practices that are not, or that can be leveraged uh, uh, more so today, right? Uh, Customer journey mapping, for example, Uh, value stream mapping. These are all lean uh, tools uh, that uh, many organizations are not uh, utilizing, right? Uh, Because like I said, if if you understand Agile, you're familiar with Agile, you're doing Agile, but you're not doing both lean, lean plus Agile, right? Um, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, with, uh, with the emergence of AI, um, those tools that I mentioned, right. Those could all be powered by chat GPT or other, um, uh, AI technologies. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I guess leaning into maybe even the AI part, what do you think the future holds for, uh, for lean agile practices? The future. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping like through, you know, education and uh, the podcasts, right. That, uh, such as the, this one that we're able to, you know, spread the word, right. And educate, uh, global organizations about the benefits of lean agile and, um, and then also my lean agile five C uh, framework. Right. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my, uh, purpose, uh, you know, my, my purpose right now is to try to, to educate and champion and, and spread the, the benefits of lean agile. All right, Gene, going into our last three questions for the episode, yeah. the, uh, the first being what book 
you recommend everyone should read? Well, you know, I have published a book <laughs> called Lean Agile Mastery, Mastering the Five C's for Customer-Centric Success. Uh, so that's a book that I publish on this on this on, uh, topic. So I really do highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, you could go to my website, leanagilemastery.com, uh, and you could purchase it there. There's also an online course and a coaching program uh, as well. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I would, I would suggest, uh, reading various books on, on Lean Six Sigma, right? So, um, Thomas Pizdek's, um, Lean Six Sigma handbook is also a great, um, great reference book. What's next for you professionally? Next for me professionally, well, um, I am uh, bootstrapped right now. I launched my own consulting company called Radar Consulting LLC. And uh, uh, I am actually focused on um, helping uh, businesses uh, of all sizes to actually um, you know, strategize, right? And, and uh, strategize about their AI strategy, right? And how to incorporate AI into their businesses uh, from you know, marketing, right? Lead gen, you know, through that whole customer lifecycle management, right? From acquiring leads to converting those leads into customers, uh, using, uh, you know, website and landing page automations uh, to, you know, customer management, right? Uh, communication campaigns, email, SMS, uh, other uh, channels, omni-channel communications and automating those processes. Um, and, and so that, you know, businesses can achieve their, their, uh, business goals. Awesome. All right. And finally, where can people find you? Uh, my website is radar consulting, llc.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, so on, on my website or on, on my LinkedIn social media pages, radar consulting LLC is, is where you can find me. All right. Gene, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.